from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program Wednesday night. Here's our phone number if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation. Give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. It's my honor and privilege to be with you this evening. Uh, You know, sometimes you lose sight of everything, right? It's radio. You can't see anything, but sometimes you kind of lose track of, of how many people are out there. And despite looking at the numbers and ratings and all that stuff, uh, but every now and again, you'll, you'll get an influx of calls or you'll get an influx of, uh, of emails or text messages or, or comments on social media posts from people that don't normally chime in and, and they'll say the nicest things. And, and it kind of reminds you, you know, I'm not just speaking into a microphone. I'm speaking to America. And I, and I absolutely love that. I love all of my, uh, my compatriots. I, I love this opportunity that we have every night to have this, this town hall conversation with people from New York all the way to Alaska. And of course there are some markets where you guys are listening on delay. Uh, feel free to complain to your local affiliate. And for those of you who said some really nice things recently, like, uh, you know, you listen to a transistor radio and try to get me in a different market so that you can listen live. God bless you. That's fantastic. If you have access to the internet, you can always listen to this show live at richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, and that's Valdez with an S. Now, yesterday we talked a lot about the uh, the news on Trump and everything else that's going on. That continues today. You've got RFK Jr. blasting the Colorado court decision uh, to ban Trump from the ballot. We also have uh, Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden has chimed in on this. Uh, he didn't have a, a ton to say, but listen to what President Biden had to say about Trump getting tossed off the ballot in Colorado. But what he's saying behind the uh, the sound of the, the chopper blades going in the background there, um, he, she says, Mr. President, your comment on the Colorado ruling. And he says, it's up to the court. It's up to the court. <laughs> and uh, that seems like, a, uh, you know, a fair thing to say. But I think it would have been uh, a decent thing to say had he said something like, um, well, I don't think we should take the ability of the American public um, to vote away from them. And this is um, a mistake on behalf of those in Colorado. Um, my hope is that I'll be able to square off against Trump fair and square, and hopefully they'll reconsider. Right? That's what I think Biden should have said. You know why? Because people would respect that. People like me would be forced to say, you know what? I don't like Biden. 
but I got to give him some kudos for standing up like a man and saying things the right way. But guess what? That's not what he said. And then, of course, his, I don't want to call her a lapdog because I think that's rude. So I'm going to call her KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre, his press secretary. Uh, she decides to chime in and um, make no comment. Listen to this. Do you have any um, reaction to the uh, Colorado Supreme Court? So, um, look, we followed the law here. Cannot comment on anything that is uh, that is related to an upcoming election like 2024. And this is a legal process, so I'm just not going to comment. Does the president believe that Donald Trump was an insurrectionist? I'm just not going to get into uh, just get in, not going to get into a legal process here. Obviously, uh, there is one. I'm not going to get ahead. Of, I'm not going to speak to the decision that Colorado has made. I'm just not going to comment on it. The White House would like the Supreme Court to quickly pick up this case to get it settled. Look, what I can say is the president's not involved. We're not involved in this. This is a legal process. He's just not going to comment. As a general matter, yeah. does the <laughs> does, does the White House believe this is happen, that, that major party political candidates, that courts should decide which major party political candidates should be on the ballot? Just not going to get involved in any court decision that's made. The Supreme Court, any court decision, it's a legal process. Gonna, Leave it alone, not comment. 2024, not going to comment. Hatch Act, we try to do our best to follow the law uh, and just not going to comment on this. You know, what's funny is when there was a court decision involving Roe v. Wade and it getting overturned, guess who was one of the first people out there commenting on this? That's right, Joe El Baboso Biden and his, not his lapdog, but his press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre KJP. They had no problem talking about legal uh, cases there, right? Not, not, no no problem at all discussing these rulings. So I, I think they're fake, they're phony, they're fraud, they're full of it. But while Joe Biden would not comment on anything uh, other than saying, rah, 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 I think the court should decide, uh, he also uh, said um, to the folks in Milwaukee that Trump, quote, certainly supported an insurrection. And... That seems like a comment, right? While it's a little bit of a swipe, he wouldn't uh, specifically make any comments on the court case, but he did say that he, uh, again, the quote is, just so that we have it right here, certainly supported an insurrection. <clears throat> That's Joe El Baboso Biden. And uh, when he was asked whether Trump was an insurrectionist, Biden said, well, I think certain things are self-evident. You'd think he's uh, quoting, um, you know, some of our founding documents. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, going on to say, we saw it all. And whether the 14th Amendment applies, I'll let the court make that decision. But he certainly supported an insurrection. There's no question about it. None. Zero. And he seems to be doubling down on about everything. Now, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled 4-3 that Trump should be disqualified from the primary ballot on Tuesday evening. An advanced uh, uh, decision from the state Supreme Court states that President Trump is disqualified from holding office under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution. That's the Colorado State Supreme Court that made this decision. And that since he's disqualified, it would be wrongful uh, under the um, election code for the Colorado Secretary of State to list him as a candidate on the presidential primary ballot. It goes on to note that the court will stay its ruling until January 4th, subject to any further uh, appellate proceedings. So again, once Trump appeals, he will remain on this ballot. It's that simple. 
uh, unless they can, you know, enforce it another way to to push him off the ballot, which uh, I just don't see that happening. I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's nothing to worry about here, but we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. I could be wrong, right? I could be wrong. I could have way too much faith in the the United States Supreme Court. I could have way too much faith in, in humanity. Uh, I could just be off my rocker here. Anyway, we're going to continue this discussion uh, because Attorney General Bill Barr has weighed in on this, uh, as have uh, many others. And uh, we're going to hear a little bit of that audio. We're also going to get the uh, analysis analysis and insight from uh, one of America's top lawyers. He was a lawyer to former President Trump. He was also chief of the Organized Crime Unit at the Department of Justice. And he's going to be joining us straight ahead. Plus your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations, everybody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, <laughs> even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing. Are people listening, right? That's but right. You're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. As you know, I, I strongly oppose Donald Trump for the Republican nomination. But uh, I think that this case is, is legally wrong and untenable. Uh, and I think this kind of action of stretching the law, taking these hyper-aggressive positions to try to uh, knock Trump out of the race uh, are counterproductive. They backfire. As you know, uh, he, he uh, feeds on grievance, just like a fire feeds on oxygen. And this is going to end up as a grievance that helps him. All right. That is the voice of William Barr, former attorney general of the United States. And Bill Barr says this is not a good move illegally, and this is only going to help Trump uh, weighing in, giving his opinion on this and uh, giving us some analysis on this is uh, Jim Trusty. He's former chief of the organized crime section at the Department of Justice. He was a prosecutor for 28 years, and he's currently with the IFRA law firm. Jim Trusty, welcome back, sir. Hey, Rich. Good to talk to you. Likewise, sir. Always a pleasure. So, uh, Lots of analysis flying around. Everybody has an opinion. All sorts of things are going on here. Uh, but I, I want you to, A, uh, w- what do you think of what General Barr just said? Well, a lot of it I agree with. You know, and Barr is not exactly a cheerleader for President Trump. So for yeah. him to say, you know, that this is a stretch. I mean, and, and that really, just to step out for a quick second of the broader picture, that's the commonality we're seeing in all of these prosecutions and all of these efforts to, to bring down President Trump is creative lawyering, you know, lawfare. And what, what it's doing is it's ruining the criminal justice and the civil justice system because it's taking lawful standards and twisting them into political activity. And so I think Barr is right to say that the court went out on a limb in Colorado on this. Uh, I think it's certainly uh, his, his comments certainly suggest the Supreme Court won't tolerate this. You know, his comment about the, the grievance, you know, well, this is uh, President Trump just lives on grievances. Well, he has a right to have a grievance at this point. I mean, right. you know, they're they're criminalizing things that are not criminal and they're kicking him off, trying to kick him off the ballot in Colorado 
with incredibly flexible standards that I think only would apply if President Trump is the target. So you can call it a grievance dismissively, but I think it's a legitimate lawful grievance. Jim Trusty, if um, if you will, would you say that I'm being uh, hyperbolic or or sensitive or emotional if I look at this and I say it's catastrophic, it's an erosion of our justice system, we'll never be the same again? Uh, is that a stretch or is that fair? Well, it's fair if the case stays as is. Uh, you know, to have basically four judges out of seven uh, twist the law around a result that they want to hap- have happen, I think that's a, that's a pretty devastating moment. And it may not be the last of that kind of uh, decision-making that we see in the courts across this country. But I just don't think it's going to last. You know, we've got a Supreme Court led by Justice Roberts, who doesn't really want to have the Supreme Court deciding, you know, gigantic electoral issues. I think it's pretty clear he's very worried about the reputation of the court, about the attacks that inevitably come from the left if they rule by the law. And and so he probably doesn't want to have to touch these things, but I think he's going to have to. And there's a whole bunch of ways, either foundational or procedural, that this case could actually garner up a, a 9 nothing tally. I mean, Ty Cobb, a former attorney, for President Trump has said that that he's very confident that this whole issue about uh, Article 3 within the 14th Amendment applying to the president is a winner for President Trump and that they're all going to jump on. And I think he could have unanimous action if it is something that's kind of procedural or foundational. If you get to the merits of insurrection, I think you can predict what at least uh, three of the justices would do on the Supreme Court. And frankly, you know, that that to me is the horrible story within this opinion is this sham of a trial that relied on things like the J6 committee. The report from the Adam Schiff's of the world was given great deference in the opinion. In fact, and forgive me for getting on the soapbox here, Rich. But no, feel free. There was a they, they interviewed one of the, the House lawyers on this. I know this guy well. And they said, you know, gee, was your committee biased against President Trump? And he said, well, we had hypotheses as a starting point, but we were very fair. <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, you're literally asking the fox, did you treat the, the, the hen fairly? Yes, we, we were completely fair uh, as we ate it. And so that was one part that really struck me is that this was the vouching for this incredibly politicized uh, committee and then the second part, and it was just amazing in this 213-page opinion, which included the dissent, there was a stretch where they were justifying the finding that President Trump had engaged in insurrection. And by, by the way, they took many pages to try to even define insurrection. But when they did, they turned to a sociology professor who's an expert on political extremism. And apparently, if you look at his curriculum vitae, which I did, it's almost entirely about Uh, white supremacist groups. Well, this guy basically testified as the Trump dog whistle whisperer. He said, I I know President Trump said things like peacefully and patriotically, but that's code for violence. And, And so the court latched on to this like ridiculous junk science and allowed that to be the basis or a basis for taking a former president off the ballot in Colorado. And I just Step back and think if anybody, anybody else in the history of our politics was being knocked down by this junk science, uh, you'd, you'd hear voices from both sides of the aisle. But because it's President Trump, you know, the ends justify the means. And, and we're supposed to let a sociology professor 
disenfranchise all the Colorado Republican voters. That that's it seems insane to me, but it, it seems to be normalized, and that's the the new way of doing things. Now, Jim Trustee, you mentioned Ty Cobb, like General Barr, he's another one that you know used to work for Trump, but can't stand the guy, and even his um, uh, opinion is that this isn't going to go right. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, look, if you've lost Bill Barr and Ty Cobb, you know, you're, right. you're in trouble in terms of the the legal assessment here. They don't, I don't think they. Uh, uh, lightly tread in favor of President Trump when it comes to their legal analysis. They're, they're getting their different ways. I mean, Cobb's point is, and this was actually what the Colorado lower court, the trial court found. The lower court had this ridiculous five-day trial, and that's where I have all of my problems with the due process of, of this kind of sham trial when you have not been even charged with insurrection anywhere. Uh, but there is this starting point, which is whether Section 3 even applies to the president. And the lower court in that case pointed to the the legislative history uh, of, Article, of, of the 14th Amendment. And it had president spelled out originally, and that was then taken out of the final draft. So the logical inference there is it was a yeah. conscious decision to remove the president. And that's where Cobb comes down on that. He also looks at uh, some some comments that Justice Roberts has made publicly that suggests that that is good law, that that's the right read of uh, the 14th Amendment. And he thinks you have a 9 nothing sweep on that kind of foundational uh, basis that the president is not a, quote, officer of the United States. There's other ways to skin this cat. There's other things to look at in terms of free speech, of due process, uh, of sufficiency of insurrection, whether it needs to be a conviction as opposed to clear and convincing evidence, which is what this judge used. So there's a lot of different kind of procedural and foundational hooks, but this officer issue is one that could get some, could get some life at the Supreme court. All right. So Jim trustee, I want to get into the weeds a little bit on some of that procedural stuff, because I think these arguments um, uh, that I'm hearing, some of them are very meritorious and, and I think uh, for, for the sake of the audience understanding this stuff, it's important because all they're getting um, on CNN, MSNBC is, you know, Trump is guilty of sin and he's an insurrectionist and throw the book at him. And this is the right thing to do. So I want you to walk us through that in uh, in the, the eloquent way that you always do. Folks, we're on with Jim Trustees, former chief of the organized crime section at the Department of Justice, served as a prosecutor for 28 years. Uh, former lawyer for President Trump, and he's currently with the IFRA law firm. Uh, Jim Trustee's coming back with us, plus your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ, if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation. And I urge you, don't move a muscle, because we're coming right back. I'm Rich Valdez. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
This is America. This is Night. This is Rich Valdez. Whether it is a court that determines he's unfit to hold office because he took up uh, force against our uh, constitution or mobilized a mob against our constitution uh, or because the electorate throws him out, uh, I don't think it really matters if he's unfit to hold office. Um, we should all be encouraged by any action that makes it less likely that he will return to the presidency. That is Senator Chris Coons, Democrat from uh, Delaware, says uh, whatever the reason for Colorado's ruling, he's encouraged by the decision. I think this is part of the problem, and that's why I want to get into the weeds a little bit and get into some of the procedural action that's going to happen moving forward. And uh, with us is Jim Trusty, former chief—excuse uh, me—former chief of the organized crime section at the United States Department of Justice. He spent 28 years as a prosecutor. Uh, he was a lawyer to President Trump uh, previously, and he's currently with the law firm Ifra Law. Jim Trusty, um, it seems like from a political and partisan perspective, Democrats are really enthused by this this um, bending uh, and erosion of the law. But it seems like it's bad law and it's coming from, you know, like you pointed out earlier, from some people that are not necessarily fans of Trump, um, just trying to call it as they see it. Now, with that being said, what do you think we can expect as this uh, moves forward and goes to is the first step the United States Supreme Court is the first step, uh, you know, appealing it to the the Supreme Court um, in in Colorado. What's that process like? Well, we're already at the Supreme Court in Colorado. So I think we I think we have to be talking U.S. Supreme Court as the next move. And, uh, you know, and look, the general percentages of cases where the Supreme Court grants certiorari is small. Right. There's a lot of cases where, you know, the uh, the defense attorney loses the trial and announces on the courthouse steps. We're going to take this all the way to the Supreme Court. Right. And then you never hear anything. <laughs> so, you know, it's not like this is an automatic, but I think it's such a critical issue. And it's it's a, you know, uh, precedential is a friendly way to put it. It's a, it's certainly a new ruling, an important historic ruling. I don't think it would be that hard for I think for if I remember correctly, four justices would have to agree uh, to, to take this thing. And it's kind of invited. I mean, the court stayed their ruling until January 4th. Now, January 5th is the day that the Secretary of State of Colorado has to finalize by certifying the ballots. But they've kind of left it open like we know this is coming. And I think it really is. I just can't imagine that even with Justice Roberts' reluctance to be in the middle of the field of fire, that they could walk away from something this critical, this this radical in terms of what the ruling was. Now, Jim Trustee, again, that's, you know, you speaking as uh, an experienced um, uh, lawyer. Uh, I looked at that and I thought, you know, just as a, a political observer, these guys are CYA. They're leaving the door open so that they can bring this to the SCOTUS. And once they do, they're saying, well, we're going to go ahead and stay this until January 4th, just in case there's some changes. Otherwise, we're going to go ahead and move forward with it. To me, it seems like it's almost a guarantee that Trump's going to stay on the ballot. Do you think I'm reading that wrong? Uh, I think you're reading it optimistically, and I'm I'm somewhat there too. I I don't think that you know we've had the last laugh on this case at this point. When you see the the mainstream media celebrating the wonderful work of of the four judges, um, I, I do think it's probably going to get reversed. But there, you know, there's no automatics in this world. Right. We know that. We know that there's a general 
reluctance of the Supreme Court to weigh in. But I think that they could, again, they could weigh in on kind of the procedural or they could weigh in on the substance. I frankly would like to see them weigh in on the notion that a five-day expedited trial relying on quack professors and the J6 committee, that can't be due process to literally kick a presidential candidate off of a ballot. So I'd like to see them get to the full merits of it. But again, in the spirit of kind of uh, keeping the profile less hot, I, I could see Justice Roberts pushing some of these other angles to try to get a consensus and get rid of it on a more procedural grounds. But I think it's coming, but you know, we have to wait and see. They'll file for their petition. We'll see if it gets granted. They don't have to ask for a stay yet, uh, which is usually a little bit of a bellwether of how the court's going to view it. And so they'll, uh, they'll get this thing filed, I think, in coming days, and we'll see where it goes. So now when this happens, the Trump team goes, they, um, like you said, they're, they're going to request a stay. They're going to uh, make the argument that they make. Um, what do you think the argument that they're going to put forward is going to be, or the, the main argument? Is it that they, they've in effect found Trump guilty of a crime that he's not been charged or convicted of? Or is it, uh, like you mentioned, the fact that the standard that the court used of using this, this professor as some sort of expert and somehow finding Trump guilty based on what this guy's saying. Yeah. Well, remember you never want to waive any argument, so you're going to raise a bunch, but I I would say that the most powerful arguments that I see from reading this opinion, one is whether, and this was kind of a procedural burden that the Supreme court of Colorado was happy to gloss past, whether this was a non-justiciable federal question. In other words, is this in the wheelhouse of federal courts or state courts to interpret the 14th Amendment third clause? I think the the federal question is an issue. Due process, as I've been saying, is a huge issue. Um, I think that, that free speech is an issue. You know, there's only about five categories of types of speech that are not protected by the First Amendment. Things like defamation, true threats, inciting crime. Uh, if you look literally at the words that, that President Trump uttered during January 6th and into the next day or two, uh, I, I don't think that they fit any of those categories. I mean, even Jack Smith can't bring himself to literally charge incitement. Right. I mean, they're trying the case like it's an incitement case, but they're not charging it. So at the end of the day, if it's on this this cusp of free speech where we say, well, we don't always like every word that comes out. We don't like the way he phrased it but it's not criminal. It's not defamation. It's not a threat to an identified person. Um, then, then it's free speech. And so to turn around and to use free speech as a, as a basis for criminal based disqualification just seems kind of crazy, but I think you have to go hard at all these things. And I have, I think you have to go hard at this expedited trial. You know, the Supreme court of Colorado said, what a great system that they were able to do this expedited trial and, and hear evidence in five days. At the dissent basically called this a breakneck pace and that it was unnecessary and unfair. And I think in the grand scheme of things, if you're talking about taking a leading presidential candidate off, candidate off a ballot, you darn well better do better than just turning in somebody else's homework and then turning to the dog whistle whisperer and saying that's good <laughs> enough. And, and by the way, you know, they mentioned when President Trump said things about go, I think it was go peacefully and patriotically to right. make your voice heard. The Supreme Court of Colorado said, well, that was just kind of isolated. <laughs> and I thought right then, I'm like, all right, I, I got to throw the I got to throw the replay flag. Like we're now in a world where you're literally looking at exculpatory evidence 
and saying, yeah, well, he didn't say it enough times. Oh, and that's just kind of absurd. So, you know, there are there are holes in this opinion that I think the the Supreme Court are, is going to basically bash through. But, uh, you know, we just got to make sure they take it on cert. If they take it on cert, all these things are fair game and they may get all the way to that bottom line of the of the substance of whether this was a, a fair trial and whether it actually established incitement. But I'll, I'll take it whichever way they go. They need to remove it from the books. If they say that this is a you know, that Section 3 uh, is not a um, not addressed to the president of the United States because he's not a, quote, officer of the U.S., that's fine, too. But they certainly have to overturn it on some ground. Right. And that seems to be the one that most states have used. And I'd like you to touch on that when we come back. Folks, we're on with Jim Trusty, former chief of the organized crime section at the Department of Justice. And we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. That's Valdez with an S. I expect that to be reversed by the U.S. Supreme Court. I think the precedent that a court could just take somebody off the ballot without even any type of criminal conviction or anything like that, uh, I think that that is not the way uh, the, the law is intended to be enforced. We don't need to have judges making these decisions. We need voters to have to make these decisions. So I want to see this in the hands of the voters. And so... Actually, on the way on the bus ride over here, I said that I would, from Colorado's GOP primary, withdraw from that name and require every other Republican in this race to do the same thing, at least until every candidate actually gets to run. I do not believe Donald Trump should be prevented from being president of the United States by any court. I think he should be prevented from being president of the United States by the voters of this country. That's uh, several of the candidates that are running for president on the Republican side, DeSantis, uh, Nikki Haley, uh, Ramaswamy, Chris Christie, all kind of weighing in saying this isn't cool. This isn't how it should be. It should be the people that decide, not uh, the men in black, the guys in the black robes. So I want to get uh, Jim Trusty, our guest, former uh, chief of the organized crime section at the Department of Justice and former prosecutor former attorney for President Trump and uh, currently with IFRA Law Firm, the IFRALaw.com is the website. Uh, I want to get him to weigh in on the, I guess, the, the premise here. Is the president holding an office under the United States or is the presidency in and of itself the executive branch and therefore it's not uh, subject to um, Article 3 of the uh, 14th Amendment? Jim Trustee, what say you? Yeah, I, I tend to think that's right, and I fall back to what the lower court said. You know, the lower court was no friend to President Trump. They found that he engaged in insurrection, but they also said it doesn't matter because he's not an officer, as that term is defined, under Article 3. And, again, that's what Ty Cobb's weighing in on uh, and, and mentioning Justice Roberts uh, from, I think, an opinion he stated maybe it was about 13 years ago. So I think that'll be really interesting to watch. That's a close call. Uh, I'd like to think that, you know, that reading the uh, the legislative intent as the district court will actually prove to be correct and will be a winner. 
Uh, although, again, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the court get all the way to the merits. If the Supreme Court rules that he is you know, not an officer for purposes of this part of the uh, 14th Amendment, then in one big swoop, all of these cases drop off a cliff, uh, which I think would be good for the country. You know, all of these, all this 14th Amendment based litigation, I haven't read all of them. I know there's variations. There's always going to be issues of standing in terms of the people filing these things where there may be procedural reasons why they lose or they're seeking preliminary injunctions and that's a higher burden to satisfy the court. So there's a lot of reasons why these plaintiffs' actions to take them off the ballot in different states could fall apart on their own weight. But the Supreme Court could could bite on that first ground and end the whole game. Now, if that's the case, um, let me rephrase the question. So if, if I'm John Roberts, right, I believe that my goal is the path of least resistance where I look least political, where it doesn't look like I'm putting my thumb on the scale, but it looks like I'm defending justice. And of course, there's the option of him saying we're not doing it and I guess they don't take the case at all, which would seem like a big mistake. Um, and then there's other avenues that you just mentioned. What do you think is the safest, least political looking option uh, for of the court taking this case? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I do think this officer issue could come off as being somewhat apolitical. Right. But I, I, I think probably the best way to look at it would be to talk about what does the what does the 14th Amendment contemplate as the basis for disqualification? Does it require some sort of sham trial with you know the sociology professor and and uh, you know Liz Cheney's comments, or is it something where you have to have a conviction to be disqualified? And that to me would be the cleanest way to just amputate the whole story to say what we mean in that circumstance is that the person trying to run for office has been convicted of insurrection. I mean, obviously, we would hope and think that'll be a pretty small universe, you know, for millennia. But that's probably what was intended. And so wiping it out on the basis of a conviction, not having a, a factual trial where some judge in Colorado decides what to believe and what not to believe, that's another clean way that I think comes off as a pretty apolitical way to dispose of it. Outstanding. Well put, sir. Thank you for all of your insight and analysis. I want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And uh, Jim Trustee, let everybody know how they could uh, find you if they need to find you, if they need to hire you. <laughs> Where do they go? <laughs> uh, well, that's a great Christmas gift. Thank you. Uh, so IFRA Law is the name of our firm. We're in Washington, D.C., right around the corner from the White House. And IFRALaw.com uh, is our website. And we're happy to, to take all comers. And thanks for giving us the time to get on tonight. Appreciate it. Uh, you bet. And folks, if you want to follow Jim Trustee and see what he has to say on different things, give him a follow at a very cool handle. It's at Trusty Lawyer, at Trusty Lawyer on Twitter, also known as X and uh, the other social media. You can uh, see what he's got to say there. Jim Trusty, you are a uh, gentleman, a patriot and a scholar, and I appreciate you, sir. Uh, thanks so much, man. Good talking to you. You bet. All right, folks, we're going to get to your calls and more straight ahead. 833-482-5337. 8334-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. 
Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. Feliz Navidad and Merry Christmas. Um, I love Christmas time of year, and I'm getting ready to start celebrating. By the way, uh, tomorrow evening, a special treat for everybody in America. You may have seen her on Newsmax Television, or if you're uh, in the New York area, you've heard her on the radio, my former colleague, Lydia Serrani. She's going to be on the program tomorrow. I don't want you to miss that. Lydia Serrani. Um, will be here tomorrow evening, and um, I'm looking forward um, to to her being with us. Anyway, um, I also want to talk a little bit about Jonathan Turley, right? He's uh, with Fox News. He's a professor of the law, and he says that the country's now a powder keg, and the Colorado Supreme Court is throwing matches on it. Listen to this. Well, this court just handed partisans on both sides uh, the ultimate tool to try to uh, shortcut elections. And it's very, very dangerous. I mean, this country is a powder keg and this court is just throwing matches at it. And I think that uh, it's a real mistake. But I think that they're wrong on the law. You know, January 6th was many things, most of it not good. In my view, it was not an insurrection. It was a riot. That doesn't mean that the people responsible for that day shouldn't be held accountable. Uh, but to call this an insurrection for the purposes of disqualification uh, would create a slippery slope for every state in the union. This is a time when we actually need democracy. We need to allow the, the voters to vote. We need to hear their decision. And the court here just said, you're not going to get that. Uh, in Colorado, we're not going to let you vote for Donald Trump. And, you know, you can dislike Trump. You can believe he's responsible for January 6th, but this isn't the way to do it. I mean, it is, you know, for people that say they're trying to protect democracy, this is hands down the most anti-democratic opinion I've seen in my lifetime. So that's Jonathan Turley. And he says this is one of the the most anti-democratic decisions he's ever seen in his lifetime. Um, we've heard Bill Barr weigh in on this. We've heard Ty Cobb. We've heard Jim Trusty. Uh, it seems that everybody seems to be in agreement, right? I haven't heard a lawyer yet other than these four judges that think that this is fantastic. Yeah, now there was a couple of lawyers on CNN and MSNBC that were saying, no, this is the right thing to do. This is just Trump stalling. He's It's a stalling tactic. Uh, but again, they put the emphasis on Trump. These guys are putting the emphasis on the actual law. And I think... When you analyze the law and you look at the law and what the law is supposed to stand for, it doesn't matter who your defendant is, right? Right is right and wrong is wrong. And it doesn't matter who the subject is. So um, that's where I stand on this. I think the whole thing's fake. It's phony. It's fraud. And uh, again, I remain that Trump is going to be on that ballot in Colorado just because that's how this is going to end up. Uh, Not because of wishful thinking, just because I can't see it happening any other way. Anyway, folks, we continue uh, to talk about what's going on with big tech. Don't go anywhere. Live from the city that never sleeps. 
17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. It's Tuesday night. Welcome to our number two of the program, our phone number. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And Biden seems to be um, backing the Supreme Court, removing Trump from the ballot, as he didn't speak out against it. Uh, His press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, has also said they will not weigh in on any legal issues the way they weighed in on the legal issues surrounding the Roe versus Wade case. And uh, Speaker Johnson says that this is a thinly veiled partisan attack uh, against uh, former President Trump and Republicans, uh, you know, overall. And and, uh, comments that he made earlier today, presidential candidate RFK Jr. has also blasted the Colorado court's decision to ban Trump from the ballot. And there's um, plenty of of news on the topic du jour, which uh, seems to be uh, Trump getting tossed off the ballot. But there's other there's other items out there. And one of the things that I want to talk about tonight is the uh, I see Jerry Seinfeld is meeting with uh, folks from uh, hostages that were released in the families of hostages uh, that were being held by Hamas, which is, I think, pretty cool. Nice job, Jerry Seinfeld. But part of what I want to talk about tonight, though, is what we're facing, right? According to one professor, it's the global destruction caused by our obsession with progress at any cost. Now, this particular professor uh, was born in Nazi-occupied Romania, lost most of his family to the Holocaust, Today, he's an academic and uh, he survived communist tyranny. And now he's warning about this obsession with progress at any cost. He's got a brand new book called Disrupt the Science, The Future Matters. And that is out uh, today. And I want to welcome our guest, Professor Mihai Nadine. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Uh, I hope that, you know, this late uh, hour, uh, you are going to have enough people interested in finding out why uh, they should be a little worried and also to realize that it is in their hands uh, to be as active as possible if they care for the future, their own future, the future of their children, the future of the country the future of humankind. Outstanding. Well put, sir. Well, I'd like to um, get a little bit of your background before we get into the book, because I think it's an interesting background and, and, you know, a story that you have personally. Uh, What was it like for you coming up? Uh, That's a very uh, dramatic uh, course of events that 
sometimes I wish I would not have to recall. Uh, it's not the easiest thing to go, uh, to survive in an environment in which all the forces at work uh, were somehow focused on not allowing you to survive. So being a little more uh, specific, uh, Romania and uh, uh, Nazi and Romania uh, being uh, together with the Germans in uh, World War II uh, already created a situation in which uh, um, millions of people lost their lives. Hmm. And then you had the great hope that, okay, the Nazis were now uh, uh, beaten, uh, a new world will start. And indeed it starts, but it started by uh, leading to a form of uh, uh, life uh, that can only be described as life under dictatorship, which means a life in which either you are aligned with the system or uh, you're going to have it very, very tough. Uh, not only that, some of the people who were not aligned lost even their lives. So that would be, in a nutshell, uh, the story. And uh, from what I read here, it seems you, you lost a lot of family members uh, to the the communist movement and in Nazi occupied Romania, how did you make your way to the United States? Uh, if you ever wish to write yourself a novel, uh, come and I will give you all the details. But I will give you the short of it. Uh, <clears throat> I met at one moment a uh, wonderful human being who happened to be born in the Bronx. And uh, <clears throat> we discovered that we liked each other. And at that moment, I had to apply for permission from the communist regime uh, to get married. Uh, we never considered leaving Romania. She was brave enough to consider living uh, in Romania. Mm. If I'm telling you now only that uh, permission to get married to a foreigner under the communist regime meant that the president of the country would give the permission. Wow. And it took uh, four and a half years, uh, but it took even something else. Romania wanted the most favored nation clause from the United States. So there was something at the table, at which moment the uh, United States government saying, look, we have an American citizen who would like to marry a Romanian citizen. She is on our list of things that you have to resolve if you want the f most favored nation clause. So no American in his right mind would think that in order to get married, you have to get at the level of two states having to settle some uh, uh, affairs. Understood. So you, you make your way to the United States is uh, the, the long and short of it. And uh, today you're you're an academic, and you're the um, Asheville Smith Professor Emeritus at the uh, or you were um, at University of Texas in Dallas, and you've written this book. Uh, and I've seen the piece that you've written on the cult of machines, and I think the overarching uh, theme uh, of your work is that this quest for progress at any cost um, is costing us a lot more than it's worth. Tell us more. 
let me uh, answer your question starting a little uh, at the end of it. Sure. Uh, the word uh, of, the, uh, of, of this year is uh, the word called delusion. I don't know whether you are aware of, of that. It was just uh, established that this is the word that made it to be the word of the year. Oh, okay. uh, so delusion, why did it become the word of the year? Because, not so much because of politi politicians who are very often delusional, uh, not um, <laughs> because of, you know, some people in the media, and I hope that you don't feel, uh, uh, you know, attacked yourself. No. But you fine. have some colleagues who sometimes can be pretty delusional. Sure. The word made it into being the word of the year because artificial intelligence brought to the attention of the public and made it available to the public something called the chat GPT. Right. And this chat was used back and forth by lots of people. They wanted to ask, like you go to the Oracle and you ask, you Oracle, give me the answer to this and that question. And ChatGPT produced sometimes valid questions, but sometimes delusional uh, answers. Mm -hmm. Way, how much would you pay for a delusional answer? And I will, I will give you now the, the, the uh, bottom line. If you calculate the amount of energy used for the chat GPT to give you an answer, correct or wrong, you get to the level at which a whole household consumes in a month. Wow. In other words, for something of minimal relevance to our lives, of minimal relevance to who we are and what we want to do, we spend an amount of energy that can be, cannot be justified. Is this what we call progress? that the machine can give us delusional answers, boy, we, we, we were able to do it without the machines. Right. And, and, and that's one simple illustration of what I mean. Uh, by the same token, I can say, yes, I belong to those who are very excited when the machine was able to beat the world champion in chess. It is a very interesting uh, uh, accomplishment goes to the mathematics of uh, playing chess so a very complicated mathematical question was solved but yet again in order to win a game of chess that machine used the equivalent of electricity used by a town of two to three thousand people is this a justified accomplishment that can make you and me happy or is it something that tells us, boy, we're not smart enough. Our machines are not smart enough because the human being that plays chess, the best uh, human being playing chess would not consume more than 40 to 50 watts, less than, less than a light bulb. This is where intelligence is and not in what the machine was doing at a high price for us. And I would not be worried if, you know, the energy would come from the sky and it doesn't cost anything. No, the energy comes from our resources. And the more resources we consume, 
we consume from future generations. In other words, we start accumulating a debt in respect to our own future. And that's where my book comes in, and that's why my book is arguing in favor of disrupting this type of science and proceeding with a type of science that is closer to the intelligent, to the real intelligence of the human being. Professor Mihai Nadine is with us. We're going to continue uh, to discuss a little bit more of what he talks about in his book, uh, in particular, this uh, reductionist determinism, which informs the obsession that he's talking about and why we're at this crossroads at this point. Uh, Professor, stick with us, folks. If you want to join the conversation, the phone number is 833-4825-337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. decent person you are. Very, very thoughtful. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, Feliz Navidad. Uh, amigos, we're back and we're continuing our discussion with Professor Mihai Nadine. And he's got a book called Disrupt Science, The Future Matters. And a fantastic piece. Um, You know, this work is really, I think, important. It really delves into uh, quite a number of things. Uh, But principally, why we have to, um, I guess, stop is what I'm gathering here. Uh, Stop this uh, progress at any cost where we uh, have just um, will eventually impact so many areas of our life. And, Professor, I want to pick up where we left off. In, in discussing just that. Welcome back. Uh, you brought up uh, the issue of reductionist determinism. Yes. I am willing to bet uh, that you do not discuss such a subject very often on, on the late hours on the radio. No, uh, only when we have Professor uh, Nadine on. Okay, excellent. Thank you. I take it as a compliment. Uh, And still, I wish that everyone listening would realize that we were conditioned through our education to understand everything that is happening in the world as being connected to what we call cause and effect. And we claim that if we know the cause, we're able then to deal with the effect. It turns out that This is not as easy as it sounds. In some cases, definitely, I have a stone in my hands, and I'm going to drop it, let the stone fall from my hand, and obviously it's going to fall down. There's a cause and an effect. The cause in this case is the uh, uh, gravity. We don't fall up, we fall down. And until here, everything seems very nice and easy and uh, nothing to worry about. 
if you let your cat fall, you are going to find out something very interesting. As opposed to the stone that will fall every time the same way, the cat will never fall the same way. So what's the difference? It's the survival. We are able, we means everything that is alive. I gave the example of the cat. I can give other examples as well. We are able to survive on account of having a purpose. We don't fall in love with somebody under this law of the cause and effect. It never happens. It's not like take a hammer and hit a nail, and then you know cause and effect. This is how you drive the nail through whatever you want to drive it. Falling in love is not a cause and effect process. It is driven, interestingly enough, not by the past, like the determinist would say, the cause lies in the past. It is driven by the future. Falling in love is always driven by everything that is involved in what love is. Eventually having a family, eventually having children, eventually of starting to take care of each other and things like that. And the uh, scientific conception that drives determinism is based on the assumption that if I know the past, I know the present, and I am even able to deal with the future. My view is, and it's uh, an, an important moment to make it clear that this view does not contradict cause and effect, but simply says there right. is more to reality than cause and effect. And what is that more? It's the future. Wow. My current condition is not determined only by my previous history, but also by what I'm expecting in the future. And what is driving me into this future? Obviously, survival. Obviously, the tendency to have a better life. Obviously, to seek satisfaction, to hear a good joke, a concert, to listen to a radio show. Right. And you know, Professor, what's interesting here is uh, it seems like you're really describing the the title of the book, right? Disrupt Science, The Future Matters. We'll have to leave it right there, folks. Our guest is uh, Professor Mihai Nadine. I could talk to him for hours. This is such a fascinating topic. Professor, I want to thank you for being with us. You are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Thank you, sir. I wish you well. Likewise. Folks, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. up our conversation with Professor Mihai Nadine. He's the author of the book, Disrupt Science, The Future Matters. And I want to make sure we uh, put a fine point on everything because there's a lot to discuss here and very little time. But Professor, um, everybody that's interested in the book, uh, give everybody, I, I guess, a uh, what they can look forward to getting when they pick up a copy of your book. 
they can get at least a clear understanding of what they can do under the circumstances of a situation in which the world is not in its best shape, in which everybody is complaining about this or that or the other, but very few of us are doing what uh, is consequential for the future, personal future, that of a family, of a community, of a country, and, and so forth. And in that respect, I will suggest to everyone to take at heart the major thesis of this book. To react to breakdowns is by many orders of magnitude more expensive than to prevent. Think about 9-11. Mm-hmm. Think about the events October 7th, very recent. Uh, they could have been prevented. We had all the data necessary in order to avoid the disaster that those uh, uh, dates are associated with. But we didn't do it. We assumed that since we have the data and we have enough machinery, everything will be taken care and will be fine and dandy. And unfortunately, as we all know, that was not the case. Second, the most important aspect of anticipation relates to the health of everyone. It is easy to go to the doctor and complain about headache, get the pill, swallow the pill, and eventually start suffering from the side effects of being treated chemically. It is possible first to prevent whatever leads to headaches, and second, if you have it, start treating it the way nature treats whatever happens unfortunately, uh, within nature. Have the patience on working on your headache. It's going to take longer than to swallow the pill, but you are never going to get either addicted to some other pill or never going to start destroying your kidney and your liver and whatever. Ask those who are forced to take 10, 15 pills a day in which situations they are brought. So I'm, I'm very concrete in the book when it comes to such things. Why? Because the book was inspired by COVID. And my mm. claim is COVID should not have happened. We had everything in mm. place to avoid such a situation. And once it happened, it should not have been treated as a chemical emergency in which we invested billions and billions and billions only to find out in our days that we actually did not solve the COVID problem. There are 60 million people in the world who suffer from long COVID. Why? Because we still, still don't understand what COVID was, because we don't want to take the time to look at the anticipatory uh, uh, aspects of what can cause the body under certain circumstances to go through what we called COVID. As you probably notice, I'm insisting on these very concrete things because the book is not a book in esoterica. The book is a book in let's start thinking of what it takes to change the education from being a machine that produces people who are no longer willing to use their judgment 
and who are manipulated by slogans and who are manipulated for the wrong purposes. Let's start changing medicine. It is an absolute necessity. We are not going to remain a sustainable society if we don't do these things. And not unimportant, let's start doing, let's start changing politics. Politics mm-hmm. is supposed to be visionary. This country started as an anticipatory project. Those uh, who made possible the coming into reality of this country were, if you want, dreamers. And dreamers means prepared for actions that will make this country a viable alternative to whatever was in the world at that time. That would be my suggestion to the reader. And I hope that the reader, if he or she has any questions, will have enough courage to look for me. I'm willing to discuss with any reader who might have a question or another question after reading the book. Now, Professor, um, again, uh, Mihai Nadine, could you let everybody know how they can find you uh, online or on social media? You can find me on social media, first of all, on my own website, which is www.nadine, N-A-D-I-N, at W-S. Okay. As you see, it's a very short uh, thing. Or you can write me an email at nadine at utdallas.edu. Easy enough. Folks, uh, Professor Nadine is on a mission to disrupt science and change the way humanity assumes responsibility for its own future and for that of the planet. And uh, it's a fascinating concept. I really enjoy the conversation, Professor. Uh, Godspeed to you and Merry Christmas. Very best wishes to you and your two listeners. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, folks, we will continue with uh, more. Uh, Professor Nadine mentioned about the events of October 7th, and we've seen uh, the rise of anti-Semitism in the world. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this, and we're also going to get uh, some input on anti-Semitism as well. Coming up straight ahead, 833-482-5337. Plus, we've got Open Phone America starting at the top of the next hour. We'll probably tap into that uh, just shy of... uh, towards the end of this hour with some of your phone calls. So you can start getting those in now. 833-4-VALDEZ is the number. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We continue our Feliz Navidad extravaganza. And I want to talk a little bit about anti-Semitism. It's obviously all over the news. We see more and more of it as the days go by. And it's uh, it's disheartening. And I was looking at a piece written by 
Randy Weingarten, she's president of the American Federation of Teachers, saying it's not too late to preserve American democracy. Right. And she goes on and on and on and trashing Trump. Um, but she doesn't ever rein in um, the, the crazy in her group. Right. In the teachers union. And, you know, when, when I think of crazies, I think that there's there's a lot going on there. Um, we have so many situations where we've got people that are, and again, not just public schools, but college campuses all, all over the place. We're seeing uh, anti-Semitism kind of be embraced. And it's almost like uh, a badge of honor for so many that claim to be on the uh, the progressive left. And I want to get into that and a couple of other topics with our guest, Cindy Gross. She's a Jewish activist, former congressional candidate in New York's 4th District. Uh, she's the host of... of uh, the Jewish Patriot radio show and the Cindy's Corner podcast. Cindy Gross, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. We've My been pleasure. talking about this for a while, so this is great. So tell me what you think about this um, this this piece by Randy Weingarten, and uh, and we'll work our way into the rest of the anti-Semitism. So. I will tell you that I have the longest-running lawsuit in the New York City Department of Education, and I've had many interactions with Randy Weingarten when she was the leader of the United Federation of Teachers. What's going on today should not be something that we shouldn't have expected because our education system has been filled with failure and hate for the past 20 years. My lawsuit has information in it dating back to 2004. Uh, I uh, filed my lawsuit in 2011, and it's still ongoing. I will tell you, as a Jewish teacher, I saw and reported to the teachers' unions, uh, representatives in my school, in my district, even Randy, to people at the head of the Department of Education, Things that I saw, inappropriate lessons, lots of codes of discipline being uh, violated, including teachers, I'm sorry, administration hitting students, uh, misrepresentations of documents submitted for paperwork with um, safety issues. And when I filed my lawsuit, and this is something you can relate to as a Trump uh, person who uh, appreciates President Trump, and he was actually the first presidential candidate to point out in 2016 trying to eliminate or uh, diminish the power of the Federal Department of Education because he saw the waste. And that's probably one of the reasons that Randy became enemy number one during his uh, campaign the first time, the second time, and now. But this hate has been going on for years. The educa- there were so many lessons that were taught that were full of opinion and not fact against whites, against Jews. There was a professional development in 2006 that was paid for and approved by the Department of Education and the Teachers Union, In Brooklyn, where about 40 staff members were supposed to be talking about how to deal with gang awareness, 
And it was a whole discussion how the Jews of Williamsburg controlled all the money, and it was a conspiracy theory against minorities. And mm. when they... And this goes on and on. Lessons about um, Jewish holidays that were misrepresented. Uh, staff members that were intimidated to take off on Jewish holidays. And it's still ongoing. Uh, talking about Alfred Dreyfus, the Jew. Uh, I mean, there were so many different things I could point out. And if someone tried to expose it and be a whistleblower, they were harassed, intimidated, and they were put through what I went through, what I've been going through. And the proof of it is Donald Trump can't get a fair trial as we see what's going on this week in Colorado, among other court cases he has going on. Within my case, we had, which what I is considered an illegal termination hearing six, six months after I filed my lawsuit, where the documents and the evidence submitted, the uh, Department of Education witnesses, all validated my points. Now, Cindy, I want to get your opinion um, on um, this uh, other story that I'm seeing in the New York Post uh, Generation Z's views on Israel and Jews are a disturbing betrayal of their own values. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen this article, but uh, I think in culture we've seen a lot of this where there's a lot of people that um, claim to support Israel, but they're not. They're you know kind of secretly uh, supporting Hamas. And and it seems to be uh, the younger crowd that seems more willing to do that. And it, it's um, it's it's very, very, uh, I think, disheartening, to say the least. But uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm not surprised, because like I said, the people that have been teaching, a lot of them with, were sharing these uh, views in their classrooms now for 20 and 30 years. So right. the people you see marching that are getting paid the $30 an hour from... Uh, the Craigslist that were a part of Occupy Wall Street and Black Lives Matter. It's the mm -hmm. same thing. You know, there was a rally about a month ago um, organized by the Teachers Union, and uh, one of the, I think it was Fox, had uh, some right. interviews with the teachers. They couldn't even pronounce Palestine, had no idea where it is. None of them have ever been to Israel, but yet this is what they teach. And this is, this is a big part of what I'm I tried to expose 20 years ago, and it went through Common Core, and when people tried to fight Common Core, we couldn't do it. And by the time... I'm sure it's endless, right? There's one thing, there's the next thing. There's so many different issues, Cindy Gross, and I know you're on the front uh, lines of so many of them. Uh, take a moment, uh, because we've got probably about 20 seconds left, and let everybody know how they can follow you on your website or your social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, you could find me, my website, cindygross.com. Uh, and I'm on every major podcast outlet with my show, The Jewess Patriot. You don't have to be Jewish to be a part of the show because we talk about issues like education and politics as well as cultural issues. And we talk about the future of America because what's going on now in Israel 
that's just the tip of the iceberg. The people that organized October 7th are the people that want to get rid of democracy and Western civilization. I think you're right, Cindy Gross. I want to thank you for being here tonight. Folks, Cindy Gross, Jewish activist, former congressional candidate out of New York, host of the Jewess Patriot uh, radio program and podcast. Give her a follow at Cindy Gross. That's G-R-O-S-Z dot com. Cindy Gross, I hope you had a great Hanukkah. I wish you a very happy new year. And thanks for being here tonight. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And hope to see you very soon. You bet. All right, folks. More to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America. Welcome back. And uh, Open Phone America is coming up straight ahead. Hour number three, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's get a preview of that and uh, check in with Dave, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA. Dave, go right ahead. Hi, Mr. Valdez. Great show. Thank you, sir. You know, I just feel like a lot of people feel, you know, anymore, you know, that anti-Semitism that everybody's talking about, that's not the problem. The problem is that APAC and, and, and their control and ownership of our leaders and media distracts the, frankly, intellectually lazy American public. From well, see, the here's the problem I have with that, and it's not a defense of APAC as much as it is. APAC is just one of many lobbying organizations, just like, you know, Hamas could be out there. And, and they are, right? Uh, CARE is out there. There's a lot of front groups for Hamas. And, and, and radical um, Islamist uh, causes. And we can't turn around and say that they're the cause. I mean, might, they might be the cause for Ilhan Omar or for Rashida Tlaib. But by and large, I can't say that anti-Semitism is not a problem and that some lobbying organization is because ultimately this is a real problem, right? On October 7th, it wasn't APAC that attacked these people in in the music festival in Israel. Right. It wasn't. It was Hamas that did that. And APAC is just doing their thing here in the United States to drum up support, to, to gain influence in Congress. What everybody else on K Street in the lobbying business is doing. So I, I can't uh, put the, the blame squarely on APAC. I have to put the blame on Hamas. Dave in Pittsburgh listening on KDKA. Thank you very much for your call. Merry Christmas to you. Folks, we're coming right back with the rest of your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. And Open Phone America starts right now. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night 
with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to our number three of the program. We call it Open Phone America. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, you get to pick whatever topic you like. You can discuss any of the topics we've discussed tonight, whether it be how we have to take control of our future and disrupt the science, uh, whether it's uh, the legality of tossing Trump from the Colorado ballot or anti-Semitism that's running amok. Um, you name it, it's open season over here. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. And one of the things I want to talk about tonight is Vice President Kemala Eres. That's right, Vice President Kemala Eres, as I like to call her. Uh, she, she's had a couple of things to say today, but it wouldn't be fair for me to talk about Vice President Kamala Harris without um, without plugging our Kemala Eres song. Let's hit those maracas. Kemala, Kemala Eres, Kemala Eres, Kemala so Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, as she's known here, affectionately known here on this program, she was trying to put some words together today to describe how fortunate and blessed she is. Listen to this. I have been fortunate and blessed to, during the course of being vice president, have many situations where it becomes clear to me that there are, you know, people of every age and, and gender, by the way, who see something about being the first that lets them know they don't need to be um, limited by other people's limited um, understanding of who can do what. Okay, thank you. Uh, if any of you guys got that, feel free to let me know what that meant. <laughs> I didn't understand any of it. Uh, I, I lack the um, intellectual fortitude to, to really comprehend that. But if you do know what she meant by that, feel free to drop me a comment on the Facebook page or the Instagram page or uh, the True Social page, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez. I'm looking at the Facebook page now, by the way. And uh, I'll read some of those comments a little bit later. But Kemalaitis, the vice president, she says that she's very blessed. And I think so many of us are blessed. And uh, she didn't mention that she's blessed because we live in a, a free market economy. She didn't say she was blessed because we live in America. She didn't say we're blessed because of so many of the different reasons that we have to be thankful and, and really enjoy the blessings of, of being an American. But that's not what she was talking about. She was just saying she was blessed to be vice president. Oh, boy, Kemalaitis. But she also went on to say that we need increased aid for Hamas in Gaza. Listen to this. Uh, Lauren says, you know, I was in Dubai recently meeting with a number of leaders, including many Arab leaders, to talk about our commitment as the United States to a two-state solution. 
and a commitment to doing the hard work that that will require to get to a place where we, for the principles that we have stated, um, will insist there be no reoccupation of Gaza by the Israelis. There will be no forced displacement of Palestinians. But we work toward equal measures of security, prosperity, and freedom for Israelis and for Palestinians. And so that is a big part of our goal at this point as well, which is to do what is possible to lay the pathway for that possibility and that goal. Okay. Well, there's another uh, uh, profound, eloquent statement from Kim Malaitis. And um, I want to get your thoughts on this, right? Because I, I don't get it all. I honestly don't. I'm, I'm somewhat confused. But maybe you can help us make sense of it. Let's go to Debbie in Canton, Ohio on WNIR. Debbie, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Well, thank Welcome. you, Rich. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm clearing my throat. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, um, by the way, um, Kamala. Yes. What's her name? Kamala. All right. Mm-hmm. She sounds like me um, about 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock tonight. Yeah. <laughs> She's had a few. Okay, can I just say it? Yeah, yeah, I'll it's funny. Yeah. When, she, when, when she was talking, I was thinking, she sounds like me when I'm reading something, speaking on the air, looking at my phone, and have like four different distractions going on, and, and words just come out of my mouth. Uh, but I'm not the vice president, right? So um, it, it, I always find her humorous. Debbie. Right. I'm not the vice president. I could do this because I'm a grandma of <laughs> uh, six grandkids, and I just want I'm calling in from Canton, and I said I was very um, distressed or hurt because we had a young man at 13 years old, um, had to serve like he's going to serve. Well, he's 13. He's not going to be in jail, but he he was brought up on charges anti-Semitism. Well, I can't even say Anti-Semitism. Uh, that's how much wine I've had tonight. But, um, I'm. It really distresses me because he is from the school system that my kids were raised in. Hmm. My son still works in. Um, my grandkids are going there now. And I know for a fact this is not taught in the schools there. Uh, that's not that's that's not a fact there. Um, but apparently, I, I guess he was an Internet viewer right. or whatever. He, well, and it you, really you, bothers me that. Well, I yeah. just don't want Canton to be known as that because that's not what we are. We're we're a right. good community. We're inclusive. Every we all get along, you know. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Debbie, what what I find is that as this uh, this war with um, uh, Hamas and Israel continues to progress, there's more and more people that are you know, displaying, sometimes even proudly displaying their anti-Semitism. And and the piece that I was looking at before in the New York Post really kind of uh, drills down on this. Um, Part of it, uh, I'll read you just a a portion of it. It says, many young Americans champion causes for sexual, racial, and religious minorities, yet overlook that regimes, uh, excuse me, that regimes that, that they're supporting often oppress these very same groups. Conversely, Israel is a beacon for LGBTQ plus rights, racial diversity and religious freedom. But the pursuit of viral content on social media often trumps coherence. And your best chance of going viral is saying something shocking. Incoherence is almost the point. 
Now, while some of these messages may stem from more genuine ignorance than opportunistic clout chasing, the ridiculousness of saying ceasefire now today and globalize the infatata tomorrow is clear to almost everyone else. And, uh, and it goes on to say that contributing to this disconnect amongst young Americans is their lack of historical knowledge, especially about events like the Holocaust, skewing their perception of conflicts like Israel's situation in Gaza. And, and it goes on. It's a really good piece. I'll share it on social media at Rich Valdez with an S. A uh, good piece by um, Ite Milner. But ultimately, it's what you're saying. Right. Americans don't want to be known as Jew haters. Uh, folks from Canton, Ohio, don't want to be known as Jew haters. But yet there's always a bad apple in the bunch somewhere. And the, the, the piece here alludes to the fact that it's not even genuine Jew hatred. And this is something a guest uh, brought up um, last night or the night before saying it's really um, anti-Israel. Right. It's an anti-Zionist movement. It's an anti-Western movement, but it's not necessarily anti-Jewish because they don't know much about Jewish and uh, or about Judaism, I should say. And, and I thought that was a very interesting point, a sad one, but a very interesting one. And it's supported by the, the thesis here, which says that it's because they just don't know. They just don't know. And uh, and it's that ignorance that seems to be uh, permeating all of these threads. And, and that's unfortunate. What say you, Debbie? Well, I just say that I myself, I, I will just say that Israel should shut it down right now. Stop the bombing. Stop it right now. I, um, I'm not anti-Semite. I'm not. But I think that we need to um, take a breath there and stop it right now because they're right. killing a lot of people that really don't need to be killed. It's, it's not it's really not worth it. And um, step back. um and be uh, the bigger person. Be the bigger person. Be the better person is what I'm saying. All right? Yeah. And they, they, they you, should Debbie. be that. And that's what I'm saying. Thank you. Well, Merry Christmas. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll continue to have that discussion as we progress through the evening. Folks, 833-4825-337 is the phone number. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Best head of hair in live late night radio six years in a row. It's Rich Valdez. Call now 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, we're going to get to your calls right now. I see that the, the it's almost jam-packed, uh, the phone lines. So uh, keep trying. If you get a busy signal, we will get through these quickly. But I just wanted to say we're also monitoring the comments that are coming in on the social media sites. And uh, on Facebook, 
Herb, Hubert Miller says this, Rich, I have criticized you sometimes over some of your political loyalties, but I want to commend you now. You have dynamic guests, and these bite-sized interviews fit well into the limited time span you have for the show. Hearing uh, Mihai Nadine tonight moved me to comment here. You have a fine radio program, and I have to say I have learned a lot besides the entertainment value. Happy Christmas, and may you be much blessed in the new year. Well, Hubert Miller, thank you very much. Um, I always, uh, like I said, you know, I, I always appreciate a good critique. Uh, thank God I have a healthy dose of ego, and um, I take them for what they are. I take them constructively, or I just don't take them at all. But either way, I do appreciate it, I, uh, both your kind words and everything else. And just a, a programming note on that, um, bite-sized interviews, I guess perhaps maybe because we don't do full hour-long interviews, but by by and large, I think the interviews on this program, uh, two segments, three segments, are way longer than just about every other radio program out there. Um, we try to do a long-form interview where we can do a deep dive and really get you to the substance of things. Uh, at least that's the goal, um, a la Larry King, a la Jim Bohannon, you know, a la this show. So we try to, to do that, and uh, hopefully we're, we're doing that. Uh, but if we're not, I'll still take the, uh, the bite-size uh, comment, and, and I'll appreciate it. Um, and the limited time, three hours is, is pretty standard for syndicated programs. Uh, but um, I take that as a compliment if you think the show is short, <laughs> right? Amen to that. I think it's short, too. I'm always, I'm always angling for hour number four. Hubert Miller, thank you, sir. God bless you. Have a good new year. Let's continue with the calls. I want to go to Ken Lansing, Michigan, W-I-L-S. Ken, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Good Welcome. evening, Rich. Uh, before I get into what I want to say, uh, we lost the greatest voice in radio a couple of years ago in Maharashi. Yeah. We needed someone to step up to the plate and help fill that void. And Mark, the great one, LeVen, was already there, but you come in out of the pitch hitters box buddy and you've hit a home run for us oh, you speak you. nothing but you speak nothing but the truth i listened to rush for t- over 20 years and i used to tell my children who are now in their 30s years ago would you guys please listen and they just thought he was a, a right-wing blowhard and i said you guys he speaks the truth please would you just give this guy one week and they never did give him that one week so <laughs> i'm just uh advising anybody listening this week for the first time, listen to Rich. If you don't like what you hear tonight, give Rich a week and you'll hear the truth. Whether which side of the truth you fall on, I don't know, but you'll hear the truth. Well, Ken, so. that's super kind. And I, I, I'm, I'm moved, honestly. I mean, that's a tremendous compliment and I really appreciate it. Very, very nice of you to say. And um, yeah, kudos to um, El Rushbo. I mean, El Rushbo was definitely not just an amazing broadcaster, but really a thought leader, right, who really kind of created this this uh, national niche, if you will. And he, he, wisdom well beyond his years. It wasn't just a funny right-winger like you're saying. He really, he called things out. He was very prescient. The things that he was talking about would happen years down the road. Uh, he saw this stuff coming a mile away, a, a really, really prescient and brilliant broadcaster and thinker. And uh, America surely misses him. Ken, tell me what's on your mind tonight. Well, Rich, uh, what's going on our, in our country is what's on our mind. Uh, we have so many people in college that are supposed to be going there and getting an education. And then 
going on to lead their lives and have children and run our country. And we've got so many ignorant jackass people at the highest institutions in this country. And I'm going to just say it this way and give everybody else a call. The epitome of the ignorance of these kids today was in a rally I seen last week with a sign saying, and I quote, queers for Palestine. Have a great night, Rich. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken. Yeah, it kind of goes in line with that with that piece in the New York Post that I was looking at where they were saying, you know, they, they, they champion these causes and they wanna they want to be there for 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 the culture war. And and there's nothing wrong with that except for the fact that you're you're in alignment with the people that are your biggest detractors. And and you're right. I mean, it just it smacks of ignorance and it's uh, it's sad. It's sad, but it is funny. Right. At the same time, I can't help but laugh, you know, thinking it's like, you know, sheep uh, on their way to the slaughter. And what can you do other than just try to educate people as much as you can? Um, like you said, uh, I used to tell people that with my podcast, I, it was 40 minutes, still is 40 minutes long, 40, 40, 36 minutes. And I would tell people, listen, I don't care if you like me or not. But just give me three episodes, three of those 40 minute episodes and, and, and then decide if you never want to listen to me again or not, uh, because I tried to be more topical, um, not so um, like here. It's a daily news program. So we talk about everything that's going on in America at night. But on the podcast, This is America with Rich Valdez, we typically talk about topics and kind of do a deep dive into those topics without calls and usually without guests. So it, it was one of those things where I just wanted people to to, to just hear a, another perspective on those issues. Uh, but I think you're right. And we, this ultimately is an information war that we're in the throes of. And who wins? I don't know. But uh, I know, um, am I going to give them hell? Absolutely. And do I have all of you that got my back? Absolutely. And we're going to do what we got to do. And again, thanks for saying those nice things about me and also about El Rushbo and also about the great one, Mark Levin, uh, my former boss, uh, mentor, dear friend. And um, I really do appreciate it, Ken. Folks, we're coming back to the rest of your calls and more. We've got calls from Indiana, Idaho, Illinois, New York, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, and more coming in. 833-482-5337-833. For Valdez. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. It's Open Phone America, and we're coming right back. Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, I don't know which Christmas song that is, uh, Count Delacula, but it doesn't sound like Christmas to me. Anyway, Feliz Navidad, America. Welcome back, amigos. Listen, familia, I want to invite you to be on this program tomorrow. We're going to do calls all night tomorrow with a friend of mine, homegirl, Lydia Serrani. is going to be with us for the whole show. And uh, she is an Albanian-American from the Bronx 
who was a breaking news reporter on the Fox affiliate in New York City, uh, then did radio for a few years. We worked together in New York City on radio, and uh, she's now the host of uh, American Ag- Saturday Agenda on Newsmax TV. You can catch her on the weekends. She has a phenomenal show. She's an amazing broadcaster, and she really calls him like she sees him. So, um Keep uh, make sure you're here. Make it an appointment to be here tomorrow night to listen to Lydia Serrani. And I want to uh, continue with your calls. Let us go to Becky Clinton, Illinois, W.H.O.W. Becky, go right ahead. I got a couple of funny ones for you here. Yeah. Uh, I heard one the other day. Two guys ran into one of those cash stores where they can get money and they robbed them. They left the car running while they went in. When they came back, the car was gone. They had stolen the car to begin with, and then somebody else stole it from them. Wow. That's crazy. The the, the criminals got robbed. Yeah. And then tonight I heard about, um, I'm drawing a blank here. The guy ran into a cigarette store. He stole a pack of smokes. And he came running out, and the cops were chasing him, and they chased him to his house. Anyway, he ran into the garage, and then he set fire to his house, and the cops got him. But when he came back out after being, he shot at the cops. And then after they caught him, he came back out, and he told the police, call President Biden, he'll he'll, uh, pardon me. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, that's crazy. But Biden is always saying funny things, Becky. One of the things that uh, he said uh, today was that black owned businesses need opportunities. Listen to this. There's some in this country who are waging a full on attack of black economic opportunity. They're denying economic opportunity when it comes to higher education, starting a business, keeping businesses open. That's what the, that's how you generate economic opportunity. You educate people. Now, he's saying that black businesses don't get the opportunities they need and that you need to educate people. I don't know what one has to do with the other. If a business isn't getting the opportunity it needs, what does it have to do with educating people, right? Educated and uneducated people alike buy at black-owned businesses. This man makes no sense. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say that minority-owned businesses just don't get a fair shake in particular during the Trump years when their median incomes were higher than they ever were. Unemployment was lower than it's ever been. And there were more people owning homes, blacks and Hispanics, than ever before. Listen to this. Just remember how the pandemic hit black businesses especially hard. How my predecessor on his watch, women and minority-owned small businesses, found themselves last in line to access emergency relief through programs like the Paycheck Protection Program. So, Becky, it sounds like to me that during the Trump years, people were were opening businesses and they were moving forward. And during the Biden years, you've got the criminals getting robbed. Their getaway car is not even there when they're done robbing people. I think this is absolutely crazy. What say you? Uh, I think that the two that just got caught that I heard, uh, I think they have a mental issue because an average person just wouldn't do this stuff. I agree with you 100 percent. Regular people don't do that. These are the type of people that would probably vote for Biden to serve another term. And uh, that's a scary idea. Becky, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Thank you for the call. 
And uh, big shout out to everybody in Clinton, Illinois, on WHOW. We continue. Let us go here to Aaron, Terra Hot, Indiana, WRMF. Aaron, go right ahead. Hey, how's it going, Rich? Love your Super. show. I listen thank to you. it every night on my way home from work. Oh, thank you. I like your topics, too. They're great. I try. I try to so, keep it varied, what, right? Otherwise, people yell at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit about um, what's going on with Trump in Colorado. Yeah. I I think this is a dangerous time for the country when it, when it comes to them uh, removing him off the ballot. I don't think that, I mean, it's, it's, it's not only, you're not let, allowing the people to decide who they want. And if it's taken away their freedom there, I, I really want to know how the people feel out there. I don't know anybody there to talk to yet, but I'm just curious how the people actually feel about something that going on in their state. You and know, Aaron, uh, I think you're spot think, on with this. Uh, I have to agree with you that this ruling is taking away the right to vote of Americans in Colorado. And it, it, four judges, literally, it was literally four judges that have made this choice to say, you know what, the rest of you people, and I don't know how many people there are in Colorado, but um, I'm going to presume it's, you know, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 million, whatever it is, maybe 6, 7 million, whatever they have. And those amount of people no longer have a choice. Now, I am confident that this won't survive. And if you caught the first hour of this program, we really went deep on that with Jim Trustees, one of Trump's former attorneys. He's also the uh, head of the organized crime unit at the Department of Justice. And he really spelled it out for us. And he was a prosecutor for nearly 30 years and he's a defense attorney now. But uh, it was it seems to me that this is something that we really have to address. Right. Because. Uh, all of our friends on KNFO in in uh, Colorado, um, they should call in. I think that we should uh, definitely hear from them on this issue because they're losing their right to vote. And this isn't something that we could really tolerate moving forward, Aaron. Yeah, totally. I mean, and, and just, you know, and if it, I know it's going to it's going to go to the Supreme Court. To, right. You know, I don't I don't. I don't see it going through there, but if it does, look at the other states that are going to try this. You know, that's what scares me, I guess. I just, I think it's taken away our freedom. I'm a true patriot, and I listen mm. to your show, and I know you are too. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm just kind of lost about that situation. It's just yeah. unbelievable. And everything but, else that's going on in the country. Yeah, well, you know, Aaron, what, what, uh, it's it's very disheartening when you see things like this, and and we've seen so many of them, right? They they spied on Trump's campaign, they spied on Trump in the White House, they uh, colluded to impeach Trump uh, through extra constitutional means, right? They they went around the, the the traditional constitutional way of doing things. They've they've done everything they can with these four indictments with. Uh, Every charge they've made up, these 91 felony counts with the raid on Mar-a-Lago. I mean, there's so many things that they've done to Trump. But really, to me, these are all attacks on the on the republic, attacks on my liberty, attacks on your liberty, on my children's liberty. If you can do it to Trump, you're certainly going to do it to my children, because why not? Right. If Trump can sit here and fight the good fight, he's got a big mouth. He's got the bully pulpit. He's got the money to defend himself. What do I have? What do my children have? What do your children have? Right. None of us can really compare 
to, to that level of resources. So ultimately, we get screwed. And we saw it happen with General Michael Flynn and so many others that were forced into taking plea deals, forced into silence. They're trying to do it to Rudy Giuliani right now. We're seeing it time and time again, and it must end. Aaron, thanks for your kind words. Merry Christmas to you. God bless. Folks, we continue with the rest of your calls. Straight ahead, don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So just a couple of quick things here. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick uh, was in in Texas, obviously. Um, he suggested taking Biden off of the ballot in Texas for failing to enforce the border laws. I thought that was fantastic. And uh, President Biden uh, was discussing the matter of illegal immigration. And he says, you know what? Our diversity is our strength. Yeah, well, sir. Um, diversity might be a strength. Our real strength is a secure nation, right? Our military and our, our, our protected borders, which are non-existent. So I just, I think it's just fascinating that Biden, um, you know, beats on this drum as if it's somehow a good thing to leave the entire um, country just open and susceptible to attack. Anyway, uh, let us go to Bill, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Hey, uh, I, I was going to, I, I want to ask you one question. Now, before that, could I do a couple impersonations? Okay, I'm going to do Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was talking to a black black man talk talk show host, I think. And he said, hey, man, if you don't vote for me, then you're not black. Okay, mm-hmm. that's it. Here's Kamala Harris. She wants to talk. She wants to be president. So she's going to talk to us, and she's going to tell us about space. Now, space is big. Space <laughs> is real big. Okay, now, if you look to the west, you're going to see Venus, I think, and I, I, can't, I can't remember. The other planet, um, it reminds me of a car. I don't know. I don't know if it's a, <laughs> a DeSoto. Uh, if you look the other way, space is huge. Okay. It's kind of like the school bus, here. right? Well, you know, Bill, I love the impersonation. And the, um, the, the, the first one was uh, Charlemagne the God. He's a, a talk show host on on one of the New York hip hop stations. And yeah, uh, Biden literally told him, if you don't know if you're voting for me, you're voting for Trump. Well, then you ain't black. And he literally got a pass on that, which I thought was remarkable. Anyway, Bill, what's on your mind? 
What's up, Rich? How long? I am. I, I'm just an average American. I retired. I got 14 grand. I got 15 grandchildren. I'm oh, sorry. I forgot about the last one. I'm sorry. Uh, actually, my last one was a great grandchild. Uh, so I got 14 grandchildren yeah. and one great one. I'm not that old. I mean, I don't feel that old. But anyway, well, congratulations. We're going to run out of time. I, thanks. Man. But anyways, um, oh, my God. Uh, um, Rich, where, where are we going, man? Where are we going? How much longer do you think me, you, uh, as an average American, could put out with this garbage? I mean, we all know it's garbage. We'll you know, a lot of you right in front. Oh, yeah. Listen, Bill, I know we're, you're frustrated like so many Americans right now. Some get angry. Some get frustrated. Some become jaded. I go through these emotions every single week, <laughs> depending on the day. Right. Some days I'm snippy. Some days I'm just like somebody talked me off the ledge. I don't know if I could take it anymore. But the reality is this. I think so much of life in general is like showering. You got to do it every day. You just got to do it every day. And and for the people that, that think like, oh, but what's the use of taking a shower? You're just going to get dirty again anyway. Yeah, that's that's how it works. And then you shower again and, and you do it again. And you go to sleep and you work and you shower and you do it again. And, and that's what it's about tenacity. And when it gets too much, this is the reason why you'll listen to this show and you'll hear one of Trump's former attorneys and you might hear some other newsmaker. And then you'll hear somebody talking about psychotherapy or talking about joy and happiness or talking about something that's off the beaten path. And it's because there's more to life than the news of the day. There's more to life than politics. There's more to life than than what's happening in Washington. Trust me, those guys in Washington, when they go back into their district for the next 10 days and they're off, they're not worried about the stuff we're worried about. They're not worried about inflation. They're not worried about any of those things. Any of them. They make a lot of money. They have a big campaign war chest. And they're living a life that you and I wish we could live. So for a moment, I think it's important to live in the present, right? Not worry about the past. Not worry about the future. But to live in the present. To be mindful. To be grateful. To think about what's going on right, right now. And to be to be you know, appreciative of what we have going on, especially as we go into Christmas and come January, we can go back into celebrating the anniversary of January 6th and talking about the, the next continuing resolution and how we're going to shut down the government and all of those same stories that we talk about all the time. But right now I think we take it easy. And how long can the people hang on? Well, Bill, I think people are going to hang on as, as long as they can because everybody's meter is different, right? Everybody's fuse is a different length. And ultimately, when people are making money, when the economy is solid, when jobs are, are, are moving and people are there and people can take those one or two vacations a year and they can afford to put gas in their car and pay for their heating bill and have a home and all of that stuff, then people are, they're chilling, right? They're happy and they're good. And when they're not, they're not. So right now people are under the gun. But I think we'll get a new president. We'll get some good policy. We'll start to reverse course on things and things will give us some breathing room. And I think that's how it's going to go down. Anyway, Bill, thank you so much. You are a patriot. Thanks for your impressions. Thanks for your call. Thanks for listening. 
Uh, Godspeed to you. Merry Christmas. We're going to come back with the rest of your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. across America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right. Feliz Navidad, my familia. Thank you very much, amigos. As my dad would say, Merry Christmas. And uh, let's go. Scott, Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Quickly. Uh, Rich, I changed my topic while I was on hold. When you mentioned the Republicans in Colorado being disenfranchised. Yeah. It got me thinking about the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about the 14th Amendment, but if a state Supreme Court did that in the South, it would be null and void until the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department signed off on it. And I I would think or speculate any Republican and Colorado has a uh, cause of action to file uh, in the federal court in Colorado right. to have you're... this reviewed under the Voting Rights Act. I think you're right. I think you're 100 percent right. It sounds like a very plausible uh, complaint to me, the, right, the type of grievance that would make sense to be brought. Scott in Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Excellent thinking. Merry Christmas to you, sir. I appreciate that. Let's continue. Jeff Powell. Wyoming, K-P-O-W, K-P-O-W, go right ahead. Yeah, hey, um, I was just calling, like, long time ago. Um, I was a professional hunter in Alaska, cool. and and I came back, came back to my son, who is in second grade. Yep, we're down and, to, like, 20 um, seconds. <laughs> okay, and, and. And like he had a book that they were reading about the bad man with the gun. Oh wow! And 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 yeah. And it's interesting the things that they they put into schools now. Like they won't teach you how to go hunting. They won't teach you uh, uh, marksmanship or archery in some schools. But they're willing to teach you that there's a bad man with a gun and that it's okay to become a girl in many cases. Jeff, I appreciate your call. Merry Christmas to you. Godspeed, sir. You're a patriot. I appreciate it. Paul and Boise, I owe you one. I'll be back with you guys on Friday, and we will uh, wrap this thing up for the whole year. Don't forget, tomorrow night, don't miss this show. My homegirl, Lydia Serrano, is here. Take care. Good night. God bless. Hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.